0: What's going on guys? So in today's episode, I'm going to jump on the Joe Mixon contract extension subject here and I'm going to basically I'm going to analyze and kind of break down his contract and sort of why it was what it is uh, when they negotiated it. And then also, I'm going to compare that and just see kind of what that means for Alvin Kamara. Okay. So when we look at Mixon's deal in a nutshell, he became the sixth highest paid running back in terms of average annual salary at 12 million average per year. He signed a four year, $48 million deal. For those of you that don't know, he got a $10 million signing bonus, which is a nice chunk of change. And he is essentially guaranteed $20.5 million. So Um, Joe got paid. That's good for him. Really good for him. And it worked out well for both sides, considering Joe Mixon will only be 28 years old when this deal is done. So, you know, if he's able to stay healthy for it will be five more seasons because he has this year and then four more. So the extension technically starts next year. But if he's able to stay healthy, then he could have an opportunity at a decent sized third contract for a running back, which would be Crazy. But point being, he'll only be twenty-eight by the end of this deal. So when you we get all like weird about running backs turning 30 years old and stuff like that. But for Mixon, I mean, he's gonna be just twenty eight at the end of this deal. So it's and for the team's perspective, like they're thinking we should be able to get pretty much the best of Joe Mixon for the next, you know, give or take five years, four or five years or whatever. So that part of it is definitely encouraging and sort of rare for running back c- contracts like this big ones. Um, so yeah, Joe Mixon is the fifth highest paid running back in terms of total, va- total contract value, uh, which is f- uh, 48 million. He is set to see a $500,000 roster bonus every year, which of course that is not to be paid. If you don't make the team, if they cut you, you know, whenever they, they obviously wouldn't pay the roster bonus though, depending on when they cut you like Brandon cooks, for example, was paid his $4 million roster bonus this year by the Rams. And that was a big reason why they were able to trade him for certain value because the, the, the trading team in this case, the Texans, they didn't have to pay that roster bonus because it was already paid by the Rams. So, um, and same thing I believe with Todd Gurley. So that the Rams were just in a situation where they were like, screw it. We'll eat all the dead money (laughs) uh, to create cap space for this year so um that's another topic but that's an option for teams to do if they have the cash to spend like screw it we'll just pay the the dead money roster bonuses and you know we'll cut a guy or trade him or whatever so um so yeah so Mixon is the sixth highest paid running back in terms of average annual salary and the deal that it's pretty clear to me looking at these deals and just looking at the overall landscape of the paying landscape of the salaries of the top Five or six highest paid running backs. It's pretty clear to me that the agent of Joe Mixon worked off of directly off the Derrick Henry deal, which makes sense because that's the most recently signed running back contract and um, extension at that, and also the Le'Veon Bell deal in parts too. But we're mainly going to look at the Henry deal when we look at Mixon's overall value. And it's uh, to me, it looks pretty obvious that the Bengals. And Mixon's representation essentially agreed that he's worth slightly less than Derrick Henry. That doesn't mean he's not as good of a player, or that doesn't even mean that the Bengals don't view him as good of a player. It just means that the facts to support his value at this particular time were that of just slightly less than Derrick Henry. Henry signed a four-year, $50 million deal um, with a $12 million signing bonus and $25.5 million fully guaranteed at signing. In both of these deals, Mixon's a four year 48, 10 million a 20.5 total guarantee. So with both of these deals, there is an out, a potential out as spotrack puts it, after next season, which would mean that the, so the Bengals, if they cut Joe Mixon, it'll be a two year, $20.5 million deal. And then they'll have a $6 million dead cap on the 2021 cap. If the Titans were to cut Derrick Henry after next year, it would be, um, or I'm sorry, the 2022 cap, the dead cap would go in the 2022 salary cap. But the um, Titans, if they were to cut Derrick Henry, would be a two-year, $25.5 million uh, contract. And they would have and also a $6 million dead cap on the next year. So basically, the deals are almost identical. It's just that Henry got about a half a million, or I mean, sorry, Henry got about, yeah, half a million bucks more per year. So... That's that's fine. And that's kind of just where the reason I think that this happened and it was less than Henry's is and it kind of worked out perfectly for all parties because the Bengals, as I mentioned yesterday, when I I tweeted this out and posted it on Instagram, the uh, Bengals have Joe Mixon. They just drafted him, obviously, and uh, they have him on a rookie contract for a quarterback for the next five years. So it makes a ton of sense for them to pay their star running back for the next five years, right? And and really, the extension doesn't really start until next year. So they really aren't even giving him anything else in terms of how it affects this year's salary cap. So um, in that from that standpoint, it makes a ton of sense because they're not going to have to shell out any serious cash for Burrow, if he is the guy, of course, until the mixing deal is over pretty much. Um, or it could be pretty much over, at least the guaranteed money part of it could be over. So that part of it makes a lot of sense for the Bengals. And for Mixon, him and his representation, I'm I'm pretty sure about this. We're guessing that, look, if you can, by any means necessary, this is why we're seeing Alvin Kamara right now kind of pushing for his extension. This is why we saw and heard stuff about Dalvin Cook wanting his extension now. Nobody wants to be that first contract after the COVID effects come, come to the salary cap. So Mixon, maybe you could argue that Mixon's worth more than Le'Veon Bell, which I would have argued. I, w- I would think he's worth $13, 14000000 a year. Uh, maybe you could make that same argument for Derrick Henry. But the reason that these teams are able to get a little bit uh, of a sort of a value is because they can say in negotiations, hey, like the salary cap's going to be significantly or might be significantly cut down. In the coming years, we might actually see the salary cap go down for what I believe would be the first time ever. So that part is kind of the one thing that was dangling over in the in the negotiations. They're like, hey, like if you don't sign this deal now and take the deal at our price, we are going to probably have to offer you next uh, less next year. So that part makes sense. And Mixon, especially like Derrick Henry at least had the franchise tag money to play this year so that's why he got more in my opinion is because he's able to be like well screw it I'll just take my franchise tag money this year which is a bit like, I think it was like 13 million and I'll just come back to the negotiating table next year hopefully I stay healthy but if I don't and I have to take less at least I make 13 million guaranteed dollars this year whereas Joe Mixon was on the last year of his rookie deal so he's looking at I mean making like what 1.5 million dollars somewhere in that range so for him it's like uh, if any, if he gets injured, if anything happens, like, you know, whatever, anything happens, he is now back at the negotiating table one year from now in, a, in an entirely different situation where he doesn't have any leverage, um, or maybe he's looking at a $5 million prove it deal or something like Leonard Fournette, you know, imagine if Leonard Fournette could have signed his deal last year, and he could have taken just a reasonable like, oh, give me 10 million a year. I mean, I'm sure if you asked Leonard right now, he'd be very happy to take something like that instead of obviously now where he's he's a free agent and he's probably going to have to sign for a very small amount of money to prove himself once again and I think the main part of proving himself this time will go into the whole being a teammate and locker room guy anyways so Joe Mixon kind of had that working against him where same thing with Dalvin Cook right now and Kamara they not they aren't making any serious money this year because they're still on rookie contracts. You know they're not under the franchise tag or anything like that. So they um, can't rest on the fact that okay I'm making 12 million bucks or 13 million bucks this year on the franchise tag. Let me just see how this goes. I'm not going to sign a deal that I feel like I can get more than you know. That's not how these guys are feeling. These guys are like man, give me like something reasonable. So the Alvin Kamara situation. Well, I'll get to that in a second, actually. So when we look at Mixon and Henry, here's what the two organizations were looking at in the negotiation. So Derrick Henry had 1,059 rushing yards, and this is a 2018 season. I'm going to go back the last two years to get a nice, decent sample size here. Derrick Henry in 2018 had 1,059 rush yards, averaged 4.9 yards per carry, had 12 rushing touchdowns, also caught 15 passes for 99 yards, no touchdowns. In 2019, he had 1,540 rushing yards, so 500 more, um, averaged 5.1 yards per carry, so that's a m- improved yards per carry from the previous season, had 16 touchdowns rushing, which is four more, and then he also had double the receiving yards at 206, and he had 18 catches, So and two more receiving touchdowns. That's 30 touchdowns over the last two years for Derrick Henry, like, could there have been a more perfect time in his career to be sitting at the negotiating table look asking for an extension? You know, and they franchise tag him. So now you've set his value at about 13 million. So that kind of begins the negotiations there. So it really worked out nicely for Henry in all fronts. And Joe Mixon's part of it, it didn't necessarily work out as well. Mixon in 2018 had 1168 rushing yards, averaged 4.9 yards per carry and had eight touchdowns. He also caught 43 passes for 296 yards and one touchdown. And just last year we saw 1137 yards from Mixon on the ground, 4.1 yards a carry, five touchdowns, and then 35 receptions, 287 yards and three touchdowns. So we've seen from Joe Mixon uh, over 1100 yards in each of the last two years. I mean, that's, that's solid in almost 600 receiving yards. So he's been a guy that, like I said, he's going to catch 35 to 45 passes pretty much every year. Um, and uh, yeah, so like, it makes sense when you look at the numbers, Mixon is just slightly behind Henry. Uh, 17, Mixon had 17 total touchdowns over the last two seasons, whereas Henry has 30. And then in every other area, Mixon's just right on his heels. Obviously he has more catches and stuff, but So it makes a lot of sense when you look at it from that standpoint and say, okay, so that's why Mixon signed for slightly less money than Henry. He also didn't have the leverage and the financial security of playing on the franchise tag this year. You know, Mixon was playing for a million bucks or something like that, 1.5 million, somewhere in that range. So that's kind of the reason why the Bengals were able to just, you know, we'll sign you now. We'll give you that new money of $10 million signing bonus direct deposited into your bank account today or whatever in a week or two. Um, but we wanted that a slight discount because we're giving it to you early. That means we're taking a little bit of additional risk. Well, we're taking a $20.5 million additional risk and guaranteed money. So we want you to sign at a little bit less than Henry. If you want to risk it and you play, you have a career year and play, you know, at a super high level, for this season and you're back at the negotiating table next year, well then we'll franchise tag you and we'll hope to work out a long-term deal then, in which case you'll have probably more leverage, but you'll also be in a situation where the COVID-19 will have affected the salary caps. So it's going to be, you know at that point you don't know what the overall market for your services will be so it's very interesting um how that played out and sort of why the Bengals were able to get him at what i feel like is a pretty good value so especially considering it was a extension meaning they just added four years to his deal so they were able to spread out signing bonus for five years and they're able to um that just gives them a lot more flexibility with the contract. So so that's that's Joe Mixon's deal. And I think it's my opinion on it is it's a very reasonable deal from both sides. I think Mixon clearly wanted a deal now so he could just secure what guaranteed money was available. I mean, think of it like this. Joe Mixon, like I said, was about to make, I think, around $1.5 million prorated over the next 17 weeks. So that's what he was set to make, right? And that's not like a huge lump sum of money at one time for a football player, for a star football player I should say. Whereas now he got a 10 million dollar signing bonus, so that means sometime in the next week or two Mixon is going to receive 10 million dollars at one time, and that is a much different world to live in, right? So and he'll still receive whatever he was going to make that over seven over the next 17 weeks. So it's just a much more uh, financial security, uh, much more financial security in that situation for Mixon. So um, that's the reason why Kamara, who we're going to talk about now, is pushing to get his deal so hard. So um, and how does it? Okay, so how does the Mixon deal affect Alvin Kamara? Well, Kamara over the last two seasons in 2018, he had 883 rushing yards, four six a carry, but he had 14 touchdowns. And he also had 81 catches for 709 yards and four touchdowns. And then in 2019, he had 797 rushing yards, so less rushing yards. But he did average 0.1 more yards per carry at 4.7. Rushing touchdowns five in 2019, as opposed to 14 the previous year. But he also had another 81 catches for 533 yards and a touchdown. So here's the thing with Kamara it's very very interesting and it's very unique in this so the counter argument to paying Kamara because if you just look at them as raw numbers and say look man he's got um what is that 19 plus 5 24 25 total touchdowns because he had a, a punt return or a kick return as a rookie Um, or I'm sorry just in the last two seasons he has 24 total touchdowns sorry so you look at it and you're like, man, you know, talking about 162 catches, you know, 24 touchdowns, like the guy, he's averaging 4.7 yards per carry. Essentially, you sh- you could make a very very good argument that he deserves more money than Derrick Henry. Here's the issue with that: Kamara, over the over the first 20, I'm sorry, over the first 25 games of his career. He had 28 touchdowns, right? Over the last 20 games, he's only scored 10 touchdowns. He's only had two career 100-plus-yard rushing games. And his explosive plays ratio has went far, far down since his rookie season. So also, every year, from uh, from a yards-per-touch standpoint, his – yards per touch has gone down every year and from this from this most recent season to his rookie year he's averaged 2.5 yards less per touch so it's and not to mention the injury concerns and the fact that he just had an epidural in the back i'm no doctor i do know that the epidural is somewhat of a serious thing for pain but again i'm not sure how common that is for nfl players i don't think it is but i again i don't know so the overall counter argument for that uh for Kamara would be that kind of stuff and it's just like the big question is how do we know as an organization that we've seen that we ha- how do we know that we haven't seen Kamara's best football already and like is he gonna be that guy moving forward like are we like with Mixon, I kind of get the feeling that we haven't quite seen his best football yet Derrick Henry, I'm not sure. I think he's probably got another year or two at this level or so. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe more. But with Kamara, it comes to a really interesting situation where it's like, do and again, with Kamara as well, there's Kamara's not not on the franchise tag like Derrick Henry was. Like Henry had didn't have to get a deal done. He preferred to for sure. But he didn't have to because he he knew he was going to make tens of millions of dollars this year. Kamara is in the same boat as Mixon, where he's going to have to take a little bit less if he wants his deal a year early. And I'm not sure Kamara is willing to do that. Like I I think Kamara would be willing to take. I don't. Okay, if I had to guess on where they're hung up at. I don't think they're hung up on the average annual salary or anything like that. I think they're hung up on the total guaranteed money. And that makes sense because when you um, I, like Derrick Henry signed a two year, I'm sorry, a four year extension with 25 million guaranteed. Kamara's going to want more than that, right? Because he's not going to want to give you the next five years of his life, which is basically his career as a running back. For only 20 million guaranteed, but on the other hand of it, uh, like that's what Joe Mixon is working with 20 million guaranteed, basically 20.5. On the other part of that, it's like, does he want to risk going into the season? Um, and then maybe the season gets cut short and the salary caps ramifications are, you know, extreme and, and all this and that. So, so now it's like, OK, we don't even have the space to sign you. Now you're a free agent next year in a really weird offseat. like the potential risk there. Like, what if he gets hurt? Um, he's already had some injury issues. It's it's interesting. So it'll be interesting to see what if they do get a, an extension done for Kamara. it will be interesting to see how much it's for. Um, especially the guaranteed money portions and the signing bonus and stuff like that. So I mean, if I'm Kamara, I definitely want at least if Mixon got twenty point five million guaranteed, I would have to be able to say I'm. I think I'm worth more than Mixon, and I think I'm worth more than Henry too, um, just because I can do more, a lot more. I, I mean, eighty one he has 81 receptions actually in each of the last 3 seasons. So just on that standpoint alone, it's like he can make the argument that he's definitely worth more than Henry. And he's shown this kind of play for longer than Mixon has cuz Mixon really has only been playing at this level for 2 years. And Kamara has been more durable from a technical standpoint because he hasn't really missed games. They just sat him out at the end of the season a couple times. But um and he missed 2 games last year. But Overall, I think that the Saints and Kamara will get a deal done. I just – it's very interesting on the guaranteed. I think he's probably going to come in at more than Mixon. I think he'll come in at – I think he's trying to definitely surpass Le'Veon Bell in terms of guaranteed money. And I think that he – I think the team is probably trying to limit him at the Derek Kent – probably the team probably wants him more in the – a little bit more than Mixon, a little bit less than Henry range. So I would bet they're arguing on that. And just so you know, Le'Veon Bell has a potential out in his contract that would essentially cost him two years. So he has an out on his contract after this season. So if the Jets cut Bell after this year, it would be a, a two year, $28 million deal, two year, $28.4 million deal. So, um, and that's with a $4 million cap for the following season. So basically, Le'Veon Bell. 28 million dollars it was the effective guarantee. I always talk about that as a difference. So, I think Kamara is going to want more than 25 and Kamara is going to want more than 28 guaranteed, but I don't think he'll get that. So, I think it'll be right around the 24 to 26 range of total guaranteed dollars. And I also think that it would come in probably closer to 14 million a year, like so Christian McCaffrey just signed for 16 million average. I don't think Kamara will command that, but I think he'll command more than Bell or at least he'll shoot for more than Bell and the team will shoot for less than Henry. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out, especially because the saints do have their leverage. And also the saints at this, at this point are scheduled to be like 30 plus million over the cap next year as it is. And that's without taking extra cap space away from COVID. So um, if they do, in fact, lose a ton of revenue, so we'll see how that all unfolds. But I do think Kamara will sign a deal. I think if he's smart, he'll just take whatever he can get, just like Mixon did. If you can get, you know, twelve, if you can get a thirteen million average, so that's more than Mixon, and you can um, get a guarantee in the ball same ballpark as Henry. I think you should take it. Um, I really do. I think that what the Mixon contract means for Kamara specifically is that. He's worth more than Mixon. We have to say that I don't think he's better than Mixon, but again, this is about what we can look at evidence-wise. We've seen three years of high-level production from Kamara, regardless of, you know, we're not going to get into this context of like, oh, well, his situation, his offensive line, yada, yada. We're not going to get into all that because at the end of the day, the guy has caught 81 passes in three consecutive seasons. He's shown ability on special teams. He's shown um. You know, he's been a he's shown the ability to score touchdowns at an alarmingly high rate. But also over the last um, 20 games, he scored 10 touchdowns, which is still really good. Don't get me wrong. It's just not the like over one per game rate that he was at earlier in his career. So the I see the arguments that the Saints have to say, Kamara, we're not paying you, you know, Christian McCaffrey money. But I also see the arguments for Kamara to say, look, I'm definitely worth more than Mixon. So Mixon's deal is going to help Kamara in that regard because what if the Saints were trying to get him to sign something like Mixon's deal? Now he's like, look, I'm worth more than Mixon. Give me more than Henry and I'll sign it. You know, I think that's kind of where they are in that situation. But remember, it's all got to balance out because Henry had the financial freedom and the luxury to play on the franchise tag and signing Henry to a long term deal as opposed to him playing on the franchise tag was actually better for the Titans because it created more cap space for this season and likely for the following seasons, because if you're on the franchise tag, it's just a $13 million, whatever it is. I think it's 12 or 13 million bucks. So it's just, that is your cap hit. There's no spreading out bonus and making it less. So, so yeah, I think ultimately he'll sign more than right around the same as Henry. I think the, Average annual salary would be more than Henry. I think the guaranteed portion will be right on par with Henry. Maybe a dollar more. So, anyways, guys, I appreciate you listening. Uh, Give this a share if you can, and I will be back later today with a fantasy episode for you. All right, peace.